self-serving persuasive talkers of everything and nothing we are a conversation con artists It's your boy, Mr. On Point. And I am Calamity Red. And we are Conversation Con Artists. He better call Becky with the bad grades. <laughs> Stay mad, Abby. She mad. She mad. She real mad now. She more mad than she was originally. You mad. <laughs> you can stay mad. <laughs> well, I want to talk about, we'll get into that later, but I'm going to talk about the website. Visit www.conversationconartist.com to get our current episodes, our past episode, the current stories that we have revolving around this week's episode. And if you scroll over to the left, you can leave us some feedback on the mail link. Email us anything you need to email us. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R underscore on point. And I can be found at red underscore calamity. Um, we are also still doing the listener letter portion of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns that you would like to be read on the show, you can send them into the website or you can send them in to our Gmail account, which is conversationconartists at gmail.com. We have a letter this week that's from over the pond. Um, yes. And I'm going to let Mr. Don Point read it. This letter comes from Michael. As black therapists, have you ever run into issues with psychological case studies and double blind studies being run on weird, a.k.a. white, educated, industrialized, rich, democratic individuals? My fiance is a counselor here in Britain. Not all of her clients have been from weird backgrounds, and there seems to be limited study done into cultural effects on the development of psychological needs. Have you seen this in your own work in the U.S.? And in your opinion, is there enough being done to address the over prevalence of weird people as test subjects in psychological study. I look forward to your thoughts. Thanks for the shows, Michael. So what did what I hear this question asking is has there been enough cultural consideration in the field of psychology? And in reference to the oversaturation of the white educated industrialized rich democratic individuals. Well, my perspective is in America, the group of people that this field originally catered to were white, Christian, heterosexual, middle to upper class males. If you fall out of any part of that, if you're not white, if you're not Christian, if you are poor, if you are a female, or if your sexuality is not heterosexual, all of this, none of that stuff was created for you. Now, what I do think is that our culture within the last 30 years, maybe, has put forth an attempt to include some kind of some kind of difference with cultural respect, adding some component of cultural diversity and trying to integrate that into this already existing system, but it is still not enough. And I think... And I can only speak from like our community. I mean, I can't really speak for like other cultures within um, America, but I think there's still a, a lot of distrust. Um, I mean, I still have a lot of clients uh, that you know African American who there's still that stigma around mental health and African Americans, and I don't know if it's like holdover from some of the experiments that were done. That were not so ethical. Well, if you talk like we're talking about the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. Yeah. If you didn't know about these experiments, 
pretty much started in the 70s, I want to say. I think so. And it lasted up until not long ago. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like the, the 80s and 90s, like they were intentionally injecting black men with syphilis to see what happened. They left it untreated to see what happened. Yeah. And when it was discovered that this was happening, it just added to the the mistrust that was already in this community. Yeah. And we're talking about racism. We're talking about a time in which people who had mental illnesses were thrown in jails and thrown in psych wars. It wasn't something to be addressed. Now, don't get me wrong. When when white, Christian, straight, upper-class males got into those same situations with mental health, they would go talk to Sigmund Freud. They would go talk to Carl Jung. You know, but anybody else outside of that system, they got through in a hospital. They got through in a uh, a psych ward. And then when you talk about black people exclusively, you're talking about a time where black people couldn't even eat in restaurants. You know, they had to get food out the back. You're talking about Jim Crow. You're talking about systems in which black people were treated so oppressive by white society that I'm really supposed to sit in here and tell a white man all of my problems. All of my family secrets, all of my history, what is he going to do with that? And so what you have today is the residual effects from that are that black people don't trust that system, even though it's majorly represented by black people, too. Mm-hmm. Be, us being th- those therapists, it's still a system that was created by and for that group. And not enough has been done to address the cultural stigmas that they have. Yeah. I mean, I've had clients call in and talk to me on the phone and then come in and there's like this sense of relief. Apparently my phone voice sounds white, I guess. And so they'll come in and they'll be like, whew, I thought you were gonna be white. And I'm like, does that make a difference for you? And it's like, yeah, I feel more comfortable with you being black. Um, And I get that a lot. just that sense of I'm going to understand them more because we share a culture, I think. Uh, And I also get that, you know, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but the whole stigma that surrounds mental health in the black community still where I will have clients who come in and say, you know, suffering from their depression symptoms again. And I say, well, are you taking your medication? Well, no, because my church told me that they were going to pray for me and to not take the medicines because they're not trustful that the medication is actually going to help with that, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't need to take that. We're just going to pray it away and you're going to feel fine. And then they come in severely depressed and not wondering why. It's like, because you stopped taking your medicine because the medicine was working. That's why you felt better before. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, that's not gonna, and that's not to say that there isn't a, a place for spirituality, but it ain't gonna take care of like somebody that's severely clinically depressed. That's not gonna fix that. Um, I was at C, I was at Macy's one time, and an employee randomly came up to me and just asked what I was looking for. I was like, I ain't looking for nothing, and I had on a UAB shirt, so he was like, so you go to the school? I said, no, I graduated. You know, asked me what my degree was in counseling. He was like, like he just turned challenging immediately. <laughs> he said, "Jesus, my counselor, oh what my you got God. to say about that?" <laughs> like, oh straight challenge me, and I was like, "Jesus is the appropriate counselor for the spirit, but see, I'm the counselor for the mind. See, the mind is something you can see that we can detect. 
That's what my kind of therapy is for. There is place for Jesus to be your counselor and me to be your counselor, if that's how you feel about the situation. You know? Yeah. Um, but church does pose a barrier. That, and just family. I mean, I have people where the families are like, there's nothing really wrong with you. You need to just suck it up, you know. Trying to get attention. Yeah, exactly. So there's all these cultural things that come along sometimes with working with uh, African-Americans that I may not necessarily... Now, that's not to say that white people don't come in sometime and they family like, you're just making this shit up. You need to just get over it. But I think because of that stigma, that st- and it's, I think it's a little better, but it's still there. Um, and, and you're not going to find... So when we're talking about that white, Christian, straight, middle to upper class, male... You're not going to... It's a lot of people that have all of those, but sometimes you're going to have four out of five. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're going to have three out of five. Like, So if you are white, Christian, and poor, that system still caters to you more than it does to the African-American experience most of the time because mm-hmm. the only ones that we're going to consistently have as men is being male and Christian, I guess, because, you know, it's predominantly Christian, but... You know, at the end of the day, that white component is what really stigmatizes everything first. That's the first stigmatization because the system didn't even consider ethical, uh, cultural differences Mm -hmm. in the situation. The second one is probably going to be the middle of the upper class because poverty just didn't give you access to anything anyway. Somebody couldn't sit down with Freud, one free, you know. And then trickles in the home, the uh, heterosexuality, because that is a predominant group in our society. Always mm-hmm. has been, even if it wasn't prevalent back then. And then when you have male and female, you're still talking about a time when women were treated as property more than you know a an individual with a brain that mirrors a man's. I mean, look at the Gloria tapes. Did you did you have to watch mm-hmm. the Gloria tapes where? She went. Gloria and did. She did it with all the different. She did ones, all right? the yeah. different theories. All the the theories creators. Yeah. Um, she, Fritz Pearl. She did Carl, uh, Carl Rogers. Yeah. She did. Um, what was Fritz was the asshole? Which one? Gestalt. <laughs> yes. Um, what was? I can't think. Who the um not Gestalt? Who does? My my theories teach you would have my ass right now. <laughs> Ellis. She did Ellis. Yeah. She Albert did Ellis. Ellis. There was one more wasn't there. About, she didn't not one no Carl Young, it wasn't no, no. Freud. Mm-mm. But she went to all these different yeah. ones and, and talked to them and just even the way that she was treated by each one of them. I think probably Rogers was the nicest to her. Yeah. But his Just theory. Just because of theoretical orientation his is theory one is a lot nicer. A nice. Unconditional positive regard and yeah. such. So, if I you think have, when you think about those groups, there is, there is a variable of difference in how they are treated in, this, in those situations. And as far as what counseling has done to accommodate that, I don't, it just, it hasn't been enough. Is no, I do think counselors individually have a little 
leeway as far as how they address it. Um, but as a whole, yeah, I think there's a lot more that needs to be done. And I don't know if I'm talking about. I'm not like talking about like ACA, like this. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Um, American uh, Council Association. Association. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about more when it comes to research and and studying and taking into consideration the different cultural effects of groups with depression and with anxiety and with all of these different situations. Because it looks different yeah. and it's going to be treated differently from culture to culture. Yeah. Um, absolutely. There, there's definitely a difference culturally. And what American society tells us is, you know, we're not we're not putting money into poor people to have access to these things. So if you're a poor group, which is going to be African-American Latino, then you just have to suffer with these things. You know, it don't take into consideration the effects of poverty. It don't take into consideration what is cultural PTSD. It don't take into account how a group has existed in our society and the impact that that barrier has that in the impact that experience has had on how you address the same issues that those weird people have. I mean, getting anybody that come, you know, where I work is a, it's a, like a very low level type uh, treatment place. So anything that's more involved, it would be a referral. And, you know, anytime I come in with somebody that has a need to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, that is the most horrible thing because finding people that accept folks who there's still people that don't have insurance or that will accept Medicaid or Medicare is extremely difficult. And so they come, even when you have people who come to you for help sometimes, ain't shit you could do or it's very limited on what you can do if you are from one of those lower class groups. Cause you're not going, I mean, it's very difficult to find mental health care. I can only speak specifically to Birmingham cause that's where we are, but it, it's very hard. It's difficult cause, because American society paints the poor as people who are entitled and just want to be taken care of by the government. It doesn't recognize that our society doesn't recognize the hand that America has had in helping create those groups that have nothing and I just think it's very irresponsible for our society everything our fucking society does is irresponsible but to just paint it as you don't work as hard as me you're lazier you know instead of saying yeah maybe our history has painted a, a portrait of privilege for some groups and has painted a picture of no privilege for some groups instead of recognizing that it's a problem you know but at the end of the day there is a lot more to be done in terms of including different cultures and stuff in in the world of psychology and counseling and another part of it is political correctness you know you don't a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a researcher doesn't really want to say let's study depression on black people (laughs) yeah you know you can't even like Hamilton the play Mm -hmm. came up under a lot of scrutiny by saying we need black actors oh yeah you know Mm -hmm. even if it was a time in which it was gonna be mostly black people in the story 
you still can't write that. Or and it's be like, a problem. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't think you can just put, we're doing a, you know, double blind study, just black folks. Yeah. It's going to be frowned upon to do so because a large part of the world wants to say that we're all the same. And so all you motherfuckers that say y'all don't see color, I just want to punch you in the face. That irritates me to no end. Like that is not the answer. The answer is not to deny that that we have differences. The answer is to address the differences and become aware of them and become accepting of them. But to just deny that they're they're all together, like get the fuck out of here. Like please, I can't stand I when people see say that color. shit. Like, let me punch you in your eyes and see if you see this blackness that, that protrudes around them. Like, but, I don't understand that. But when you say, I don't see color, by default, that has to mean that you see everybody else as white. <laughs> it's the lack it of means color. you have to see everybody else as what you are. Yeah. If I say, I don't see color, I have to see everybody else as black because it's the only lens through which I've ever looked. And so that's why we can't say that because we know that each experience each cultural experience is different for different groups and that's fine i think i don't know why we have this need to make everybody all the same everybody's experience isn't the same again i think it's more about learning and accepting that the differences exist and the ones that are unfair that are brought on by like society and not just like the culture itself helping to change that but like a, a denying them does nothing and you sound stupid when you say that yeah. i just want you to know like I'm, i just think when people say i don't want to see co- i don't see color what i really think that they believe they're saying is i treat people the same regardless of what color they are but that is not that no <laughs> it's not that it, uh-uh. you've got to treat people the way that of what they give you and my blackness is a part of me it is you can judge me on the content of my character but a part of my character is influenced by my culture and you've got to acknowledge that yep oh you're an asshole basically <laughs> an ass hat as it were <laughs> don't be that don't be that Either you never want to you never want to be that but we're going to talk about some some fun Scottish curses later. I'm so excited about that. But um, <laughs> hopefully, I don't know if that answered Mike's question or not. Yeah, I hope we rambled did. a bit there. But it's, hopefully, that answered his question. It was fun to get a question. I think we don't acknowledge a whole lot about the fact that we are, in fact, therapists. So that was a good question. Yeah, to come in. So. Um, again, if you have a question that you would like for us to answer on the show, you can send it in through the website, which is what I think Mike did, yeah? Through, yeah, he just um, sent it through the website. Send it through the website, or you can send it to our Gmail, or, you know, send us a message on Facebook, because we do have the Facebook page. Just send it to us anyway. If you want to send it by smoke signal, I can't promise that I'll be able to read that, but just however you need to get it Carry to Carry a pigeon. <laughs> I'm scared of birds. Don't send it by pigeon. <laughs> or send it to birds. Mr. On Point. Send it to me by pigeon. I watched... Uh, the birds. Um, trust What's them. a fancier bird than a pigeon? <laughs> Send it by Blue Jay. But as it, aren't <laughs> pigeons supposed to be good at that? That's why pigeons were chosen to be trained to do that shit. I don't know. I don't know. Pigeons. Just get it to us. However, Super, you, you know about to. superstitious pigeons? No. What are superstitious pigeons? Pigeons. They used to do experiments at which, <laughs> if a pigeon would do something like spin a circle. And then you drop a piece of bread in front of them and they eat it. They think that the circle is what gave them the food. So they just keep spinning circles trying to get food. So pigeons, uh, I just think that their behavior is very 
repetitious. If they think that they they do something and get something from you it, so that's probably like dumbasses. It, it was a whole experiment. It's, it's a psychological <laughs> experiment. You can go. That's what was this pigeons looked at it. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's our listener letter for the week. Um, I guess maybe we should address Abby with the or Becky with the bad grade since the saying about it. Um, yeah. Abigail, what is her last name? Fisher. Fisher lost her little stupid ass punk ass dumbass case <laughs> so we talked about this before we did abigail fisher did not get accepted into the university of texas her whole family has been to texas crime river situation and Maybe she applied just ain't good enough abby <laughs> think about that so she applied she didn't get in and she thought that she didn't get in because she was white she thought she black people got in and so she assumed that she should have got in over everybody else because she was white. And when they looked into this, like 42 other white students with lower grade or lower test scores than her got in. But you ain't talk about that, Abby. You left that <laughs> out, you little motherfucker. Like, Abby is the most entitled. Oh, God. I don't think. Abby don't seem smart enough to pull this off of her own. Okay? <laughs> we got evidence now. She didn't get into the school. <laughs> 42 people smarter than her guy. It's something about Abby that kept her out of that school. She mediocre as fuck. That's what it is. Her mediocrity isn't one that would lead me to believe that she is smart enough to rally this on her own. Maybe her parents who got in were like, no, our daughter (laughs) is from our stock. She should get in. We need to call the prominent lawyer that handles affirmative action cases in this state. And we're going to handle this, Abby. You just made Abby look like an asshole, and now she's another hashtag. First, it was stay mad, Abby, and now it's Becky with the bad grades, which is fucking hilarious. I love black Twitter. I've said it before. I I just love them. They're amazing. We're not accepting this mediocrity, Abby. We're getting you a lawyer, and we're going to make you above average. Slightly. Look, if Abby is mediocre, let let her live her mediocre ass life. Like that's that's fine. That's what her life is going to be. You cannot force her to be better than mediocre. Now, for those of you who don't understand why Abby pursuing this as an affirmative to the Supreme Court, all the 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 courts that the lower courts doctor, the lower courts turned it down. The lower courts said no. (laughs) Shut up. Bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> That's what the lower court said. The Supreme Court was like, you know what? Like they always do. This is a platform in which we could possibly overturn the affirmative action that we don't majorly agree with. Not with Abby. And if Judge Scali was alive, this probably wouldn't have went down like this. He dead for a reason. <laughs> but the reason that this is a problem is because if as a white person, in Abby's case... If you didn't get accepted into a college and your first instinct is to say it's because I'm white, it means that you're so you feel like you're supposed to have precedent over black people and brown people to get in without knowing anything else about those black or brown people. Because they can't possibly be better than Abby. Yeah, Absolutely they can't be, not. Look at them. They brown. Can't be better than Abby. I have to know more than them. I have to be smarter than them. So... It's many things that she could have used, but to use affirmative action implies that because the university looks at race as a basis of bringing people into the school, it must be the reason that I didn't get chosen. Because, I mean, I'm perfect, so I just, how, I 
remember applying to like a bunch of colleges and it sucks to have your you know because you have to pay that application fee and it it sucks if you if you don't get into that school but like i was never butthurt about i don't even know that i got any rejection letters honestly i can't remember anymore it was so long ago but if i did i was not this butthurt about it like you just move on and and try again like or try to get your test scores up or whatever the fuck the case may be like the fact that she thought (laughs) she was so entitled to admittance into this school that she just okay the court these courts won't allow it i'm, I'm gonna take it all the way to the supreme court or her family because again abby's mediocre so you're right it probably wasn't her maybe it was her family but the fact that y'all are gonna pursue this like all the way to the supreme court is ridiculous and i just don't even i can't let me tell you about my college experience because i got into my college because i'm black my the university the first university I went to in fall of 2002 was one that had an incident the year before they had a frat party in which two white boys came to the party one dressed in blackface with a noose around his neck and one dressed like a KKK member to a black fraternity party did I say black fraternity party no you didn't no it's oh, a, they came regular, to. Oh, okay. This this was a predominantly white institution. Okay. Were, I'll they didn't have like black folks didn't have frat parties on oh, okay. campus. They had to go to like the local clubs. Oh, okay. To have their frat parties. I was like gonna say, he gonna get the that white frat. Beat. They had houses. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. black people, they the black fraternities, they had to go elsewhere yeah. to, to yeah. do that. And so they, a lot of the Greek population were outraged. And they lot a lot lot lost a lot of black people. And so the next year, I didn't have the grades. I didn't have the ACT score. I didn't have anything I needed to get into that university on paper. But I got in without being on probation. They just let full acceptance. And it turned out that I it was a lot of black people in that situation that got accepted when they shouldn't have. A flood of black people came in. I bet if you look at 2002 versus the <laughs> previous years, it was a lot more black people let in than, than had been in previous years. You know, and so I know that race plays a role, but there's like eight states that will not allow colleges to use race as a factor in letting in students. And so in those states, once that legislation had passed, the minority college enrollment reduced dramatically. You know, and so this is a part of the intention intentionality that we talked about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. This is a part of the intentionality that's needed in our society to recognize the difference that race and we are perceived in the society and how we're involved and included in society. If you say everybody is the same, then the people that aren't the same that have a a frustrating time in this country is just going to get washed away and not be a part of those systems. Yeah. It's got to be intentionality that comes with it. Abby just, I mean, so when I was in uh, high school, I, I think I've talked about before that I was a weird kid. Um, and so my focus was like on academics because uh, that's what I was good at. That was my um, identity, right? I was a smart kid. So I worked my ass off. I got a scholarship from my high school. I got a scholarship two scholarships from the college that I attended um, because I worked my ass off. 
So fuck Abby for like feeling like she's just entitled simply because, you know, like there are black and brown people who are intelligent and who work their asses off. And for her to say or feel or her family or whoever the fuck is behind her, her mouthpiece, because that's what she is. Um, fuck you guys. Just fuck all y'all. That's how I feel about that. Um, she's not she's mediocre as fuck like that's been proven she's mediocre just be mediocre but do not claim that your mediocre your mediocrity is based upon the fact that they let it in black people no abby you just weren't good enough she even looked mediocre have you yes she does she really does just regular white bread she's a uh ginger she's a ginger redhead mm, real south pale part. <laughs> south part did did yeah, what? People. South Park did them wrong. The gingers? <laughs> South Park, the reason that gingers even exist. The term. Really? Yes. Are you sure? I'm, I don't know. I'm almost certain. I didn't know South that. South Park created a whole episode where gingers were evil. Like, maybe what? they were vampires. I don't know what they that were in the episodes, but they were hilarious. they were crazy. <laughs> well, Abby kind of... <laughs> she don't help. <laughs> she doesn't help with she that. She crazy. Black Twitter, of course, was Black Twitter and created the Becky with the bad grades hashtag, and y'all were hilarious. And I had some enjoyment from that for about fifteen minutes, just going through. There were also a lot of butt hurt white people that were using that hashtag to say, "I don't know why white people get so upset about the use of Becky." Because when Beyonce came out with that line, they were upset talking about, well, if I said something about Shaniqua, like, oh, my God. So then, of course, white people were trying to start a little, like, Shaniqua with the whatever, like, four kids or <sighs> white people. Just... But not all white people. Not man. all that, white people. No, you know, if you're a white person that don't think the things we're talking about and that don't act the way in the, thing, in the ways that we're talking about, and if you don't post the hashtags that are offensive <laughs> and racist that we're talking about we're not talking about you but how nice that we afford I, I just thought about like how nice that we afford the opportunity to not be lumped in with the rest of the white people wouldn't it be nice that we were afforded that same courtesy it would to be. say okay I'm not talking about all black people because nothing is ever all. But I can't even say that all white people say all black people. Not all of them do. You know what I'm no. saying? Like, yeah. There are specific groups of white people that do things. Like there are specific groups of black people that do things. But if you're a white person that don't do none of this stuff. I'm not talking about you. We ain't talking about you. No. You're good. You're cool. You're okay. You're good. And if you do some of these things and you didn't know they were wrong. This is just an opportunity to challenge your ideals, your beliefs, and to reach out to us to see how we can help you with figuring a way to do this differently. And if you're one of these people who do it and don't think that there's anything wrong with it, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with the shit. And we experience it. Yep. And that's, the, that's one of the problems in America. We... Everybody experiences their own situation for themselves. You should just take our word for it. <laughs> we <Clearly>. live it. <laughs> you know, you as a white person in America, if you so choose, you can go to a state where you ain't going to run into a, but a black person a year. Yep. You can remove yourself from black if you so choose. Yep. We don't have that. 
we can't go anywhere that's like that except for the bad I was neighborhood just say in, you could, in the environment. You, you don't want to. <laughs> but for how long? Yeah. Because when we go pay our power bill, everybody that worked there ain't black. Yeah, you're right. You know, when we go down to the probate office to get our license, everybody there ain't black. We can't go anywhere to get away from black and still participate in American society somehow. We would have to isolate ourselves to a very bad part of the neighborhood that we don't want to live in and not go do anything if we want to be away from white. And speaking of isolating, I think that's a good segue into Brexit. (laughs) (laughs) Brexit. If y'all have... We got some British listeners, so I could mess this all up. Let me just say that I'm (laughs) fucking shocked by that, too. So welcome (laughs) if you're listening from across the pond. I had no idea that people from Britain were listening to us. And I wonder how that sounds to them. (laughs) I don't know. But I'm going to try to make Brexit as understandable to any Americans as possible. Okay? So, we got UK. We got about, I think, 48 different nations. And they are part of the EU. I can't remember what none of these damn acronyms mean. EU European Union the European Union and what happened is this leader from the UKIP named Nigel Farage has been a champion of trying to get Britain separated from the European Union now I'm going to give an American example of, of the European Union just to see if I can work this out so imagine the whole South came up with a system in which they band together. Hey, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi. Didn't we kind of do that, though? Civil War? That was just to get slaves. Well, but <laughs> still, know? like, it's still, like... No, not necessarily Okay. in the context of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you know how the federal government exists over everybody. Mm-hmm. Every state exists individually. Mm-hmm. Let's take all the states in the South and they say, look, let's not exist individually. Let's have a Southern coalition. Let's all get together. Let's put our money together. Let's put our rules together. Let's put our systems together. Let's put everything together. Let's pull everything together and we can run the South more efficiently than any other states can run their situation. Right? That's what we're going to do. And so you create that documentation. So you create leaders you know, like a super group that's over all of that stuff. And they start making rules and they start making decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as time progresses, it creates a culture. You know, it creates certain rules. It creates a lot of things. And they create a lot of rules that, you know, some of the states themselves ain't happy with. Some of the states say, well, you know what? I don't know if I like this agreement no more. So, for the sake of this context, let's say Florida <laughs> is Britain in this case. Okay. Florida wants to leave. They need to leave. Yeah, Florida want to go. They need to go. <laughs> they want. To, they say, look, we don't like immigration. We don't like that we can't make rules for our own state because this whole organization been making all the rules, and we need to get out of here. We need to go. The problem is, Florida, because of its immigration, because of its population, because of its size in comparison to all the other states in this Southern Coalition, they have the most money invested in this whole thing. More money comes from Florida to everybody than anybody. And so Florida leaving is going to cause big problems with the whole coalition because we've been having money all invested in the same system. Mm-hmm. 
So Florida leaves and or Florida vote. Everybody vote and Florida vote to leave and it won. And so Florida gets to separate from that coalition and they get to take their money and keep it in the state. Well, what that's going to do is it causes problem with the whole coalition because they just lost a bunch of money. And Florida, they created their own money. And now their own money ain't worth shit because it's been so long that they've been a part of this whole system. I think that's kind of what happened with Brexit. Mm -hmm. This whole group said we want to leave because of these reasons. Now, let me tell you the reasons. The first reason, I think, is because, because of power. The first one is if we separate, like Nigel Farage, if we separate, and if I'm the champion, if I'm the leader of the UKIP, and I'm the champion of leading this movement, once we separate, I get to be a high-ranking member. And then my subordinates get to be high-ranking members, and we get to create a new power dynamic in our country because it's been gone since since we signed up with the EU, mm -hmm. right? That's the first reason. The second, the second thing that they used to get this vote going is racism, straight up racism. Like as of the last two years, Nigel is going on paper to saying that they'll never get the nigger vote. Nick Nogs ain't never gonna vote for us. Calling Asians, uh, Chinese individuals, chinks. Um, talking about uh, how nobody wants to live next to anybody from Romania. So but, he's like Donald Trump. Exactly. Okay. He is the. The UK version of Donald Trump. All right. And he championed for that separation because they wanted to close the borders. Like, the last <laughs> poster that he released before this was a whole line of Syrian refugees with the words breaking point next to it. And this has been how he has used propaganda to bring all of the voters because I believe he did it for power. But I believe that he knows, and he probably believes this stuff too, but I know that he knows that if he uses racism, xenophobia, that he will be able to cater to a group of people that will vote leave instead of vote remain. And that's what happened. Rallied up all of the racists, and they did it. And you know what? After that shit happened, the highest Google search in the UK was what is the EU? You know? Yeah. What is the European Union? They didn't know what it was. They just acted upon their fear and not their knowledge. And not legitimate fear, but fear that was painted by a leader that wanted the outcome from it that he wanted. Like Donald Trump. And so now, it's a flipping what's happening. Well, first off, the pound over there is like the lowest drop that it's had in like 30-something years. Mm -hmm. Their money ain't worth very much. So for us, they're saying if you're going to take a vacation, now you better go over the there now because <laughs> their money ain't worth very much. You can take some dollars over there, transfer, change it over into their money, and you and can ball, ball out. out of you control. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Turn your money into three times what it is, three or four times what it is right now. It's up in the air as to what it's going to do to our housing market. And the reason that the problem is, the, the reason that this causes a problem is because the UK is one of the biggest uh, companies that, countries that we do business with because of their large English talking population. Mm hmm. You know, and so a lot of the hard housing market and mortgage trades happen through that organization. So this is going to potentially give you a better mortgage, you know. But as far as the global economy goes, it's all up in the air right now. We don't know. But what what's going to be a problem is in order to get this leave vote, they talked about securing our borders. They talked about getting these immigrants out of here. They talked about 
something they talked about groups they talked about getting rid of these groups so what's gonna happen next how are they gonna do that are yeah. they gonna kick out everybody that's brown over there are they gonna kick out everybody that's muslim over there are they gonna really truly be able to hold that promise they took in 663,000 syrian refugees like on the first year the whole uk yeah. the whole everybody involved in the eu you know so that was the rules that they made mm-hmm you know, and so what are they going to do? I think that this is going to make way to a lot of overt racism. This has legitimized racism. They put racism out as the reason why we want this vote and this vote happened. And now racism is real. Now you can say it. Now you can use it to vote and get change to happen. A lot of people are regretting that decision, though. Um, sure. Um, I would like to give a shout out to Scotland. To <laughs> <laughs> so Scotland, uh voted to remain but uh what how did they end they they end up leaving anyway uh, even though they voted to remain mm-hmm. um was it because they were tied to how did they end up leaving when they didn't want to leave i think that they predominantly it's like blue states and red states oh okay it don't still at the end of the day However many more blues you get, yeah. you're a Democratic. I mean, if you get more reds, you get. So I think that it's just like they can be, they can be for remain. Mm-hmm. But if everybody else mostly vote for leave, then they yeah. just gotta go with the situation. Well, Donald Trump, because he's a dumbass, um, tweeted out, you know, good for Scotland. They're getting out of there. They're taking back their country. Like we're gonna do with America. And so a lot of Scottish people. Um, tweeted and told him that he was an idiot and that they actually wanted to stay and that they you know he's he's a dumbass wow out of this came a whole lot of like scottish curses okay mm-hmm. and if y'all have listened to the show for a while you know i love my curses that's my vice i don't really drink i don't smoke i curse that's my vice so i just wanted to like share some of these um because they're so hilarious um butt plug face was one uh two paid two paid fuck trumpet fuck trumpet i endeavor to use this week two i just paid fuck trumpet yes i just i want to well the two paid part i can leave off but fuck trumpet i really want to use somehow um they called him a cockwomble i don't know what any of these things mean i just like <laughs> how they sound mangled ap- um, apricot hell beast because of how orange he is of course uh witless fucking cock splat uh <laughs> incompressible jizz trumpet ignorant fuck muppet fuck muppet is a, a close second fuck trumpet fuck muppet mu- fuck muppet i want to use both of those this is week is trumpet often used as a bad word in scotland or do they just use that because his name is trump i have no idea i don't know but i'm with it <laughs> um and then the last one was tiny fingered cheeto faced ferret wearing shit gibbon and i like shit gibbon too so I love their uh, curses. It's amazing and good for you guys for giving him his ass because he's a jackass. So just thought I would share those Scottish and you know curses. what? Sarah Palin. Oh, this bitch. Mike Huckabee. These motherfuckers. Donald Trump. Everybody who is saying good for them, they are saying that in spite of this tank in their money. Yeah. In spite of the potential problems with the global economy, the potential problems that everybody has to face through this situation, they're saying good job regardless of what happened, <laughs> regardless of the 
obvious problems <laughs> that came from that decision. How naive do you have to be as a politician to praise a decision that is obviously a bad one? Well, I think in Donald Trump's case, he's not indeed a politician. He's a businessman uh, playing politician at this point. Uh, Sarah Palin's an idiot. I think we've seen that time and time again. She's just the worst. And As Mike is Huckabee, Huckabee is a dumb dumb. Yeah. I mean, they're all idiots. And so they don't really know. I feel like they probably don't even truly understand the ramifications of it. They just, they look at it on the surface and they're like, yay, good job. Good for you guys. Because that's the kind of people they are. They're surface people. I just, right now, I have a big problem with politicians because they don't believe in shit. No. Like, Mm-mm. if if I believe in something and I say that thing that I believe in and I really believe in it and somebody tell me that I can't get where I want to be because of what I believe, I just won't fucking get there. <laughs> I'm not going to say, well, you know what? I don't think I believe that like you think I believe that. Let me tell you how I rectify. really believe it. Let yeah. me change how I believe. That's how politicians do. They are is. willing to change what they believe for the power. Mm-hmm. We don't need politicians. We don't need politicians that's going to change what they fucking believe for the sake of us. We need politicians that believe what the fuck that they believe and that they're going to be able to use that to help us. Because at the end of the day, who's buying your belief system? <laughs> yeah. You don't believe because of a motherfucker like me now. I'm poor, I'm broke, I owe loans. <laughs> you know, I give back to the community some shit that y'all have nothing fucking know, know nothing about. Like, you don't represent me. Nah. You gotta represent whoever bring you the green. Basically. Whoever bring you the money, that's who you represent and that's who your beliefs are gonna gravitate to and that's what we see in politics. And this is what Bernie Sanders was championing about. We don't need that. We need to believe what you believe and act on your beliefs. Not act on the people who need you to believe what they need you to believe so that they can get what they want out of you. That was a lot of beliefs. It was. <laughs> but that's what I believe. <laughs> and I ain't changing. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to people about their children real quick. I ain't kids. got no kids, so keep that in mind. I know somebody gonna have some slick shit to say. That's right. I don't have any kids other than my fur baby. But I just do not understand how parents are continuously leaving their babies in these hot ass cars texas and florida are the worst um so a father in texas took his two younger children to camp and had his six-month-old baby in the car because he went with them came back to the house got out the car went in the house took a nap woke up from his nap and said i'm missing something Oh, yeah, my baby. So he goes out to the car. Obviously, the baby has has expired at this point because it's like 90 fucking degrees in the shade. And you left this kid in a car with the windows up. So his solution was to take the child out of the car and take him in the house and put him in the refrigerator with the door open to revive him. Now, he did all of this before he called 911. Like, dude, what the fuck did you think putting him in the refrigerator was going to do? Like. How is that your solution? You know what the biggest situation is? Once you realized your baby was still not alive, why the fuck would you tell anybody you did that? (laughs) Don't tell nobody you did that. Your baby had died in the car. Don't call the police and be like, my baby died and I put it in the refrigerator. (laughs) 
<laughs> you should just be like my baby died. I left in the car. Like that's it. Just, you can't I, get out of this situation. You <laughs> fucked up. Basically. You can't get out of this situation no. now. No, you can't. I just, I don't have any kids. I've been around like my nieces and nephews and shit. And I just, how you fucking forget about your kid? How do you do that? Like, how, you went in the house and took a nap. You were serene as fuck. Like, you were able to go to sleep and you left this child. Like, I don't know if people realize how devastating it is on, on a body to be left in a hot car like that is a horrible way to die it's awful like i just how the fuck do you do that like i don't i don't think that he probably six months ain't a long time but i would bank on him not being the primary caretaker i would bank on that i would bank on him not spending as much time with his kids as the mama and she left very worried thinking that you know I don't think I should leave the baby with him because he don't do this often. <laughs> and she was fucking right. She should have did it. 100% right. She should not have left this, this baby with that man. Oh, my God. I mean, at least this isn't as bad as the dad a couple of years ago where he, like, took the baby to work and left the baby in the car. And then it's, like, cameras showing this motherfucker going out to his car, like, a couple of times during the work day. Then he tried to say, oh, I just forgot he was with me kind of shit. Like... You mm-hmm. did that on purpose, sir. He did that on purpose. Well, that case turned out that he was looking up ways to kill babies yep. on the internet. Yep. So. And again, I just, that is a horrible way for anybody to die. Like, I can't stand, I have leather seats in my car. I hate getting in my car. Like, when I first get in that shit, it's hot as fuck. The seats are hot. The air is hot. It's just fucking hot. And that's just for that short amount of time till the cart cools off. I cannot imagine just sitting in that shit, you know, for hours, for hours. Like, it's a horrific way for anybody to die, especially a baby. So, y'all, I just don't, I don't understand that. And then I don't understand the mother in Louisiana who her kids, like, robbed the neighbor's house and she beat three of them with a RCA cord. Or RC, yeah, RCA cord. And, um... They took her kids from her, and everybody's in an uproar saying that they did that because she's black. And what it, you know, what do they expect her to do? That's what she needs to do. They need their asses beat so that they know not to do this shit. Here's the thing, okay? I seriously, highly doubt that that was the first time that that mom had beat her kids. And so those previous beatings obviously was not enough of a deterrent for them to not go next door and steal their neighbor's hoverboard. They stole something else and socks. Don't even know why they stole socks. That's such a random fucking thing to take. Maybe they were like Jordan socks. I don't really know. But people jumped so quick. One, I would need to know like if she had like a history with, I think it's Dyfus in um, Louisiana. It's DHR here. But that is a very small snippet of that story. It wasn't enough for me to like get outraged. Plus, I just wish people would understand Corporal punishment don't work for all kids. Like, I got three brothers. The brother that's above me, he ain't give a fuck about no whoopers. Like, he now my mom could raise her voice at my oldest brother. That would be enough to to, to make him stop. I, I got some whoopings. I did. And my younger brother did as well. Never with anything like no extension cords and shit. I ain't even know parents did that shit till I went to school. My mom never hit us with anything that wasn't a belt or a switch because we were in the country or her hand which was like the worst thing to be hit with because she got like a lead hand it's the worst thing ever but 
my brother, my middle brother, he would just decide whether or not he was going to take the licks for it. And if he felt it like he was in the mood too, he would just do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Because he knew that the whipping was like a very small, like, I get this whipping not going about my business kind of thing. And that's what the fuck he did. It had no impact on him at all. He still did whatever he wanted to do. I got some problems with this situation. I don't have kids either. But when I do have kids and when I'm raising them, I will raise them to be smart enough to get away with crime from me. <laughs> Like what did these boys do Did they rob the damn house across the street In daytime while mama was off And woke I don't know. How did they get caught By their mama robbing a house That Maybe they uh, I they, ain't condoning criminal but if you gonna have some kids If they gonna do crime They be, might as well know how to do the damn shit and get away maybe with Maybe they it. didn't hide the loot Maybe like the neighbor was talking about Yeah man somebody came in took our hoverboard And then she realized that the kids had a hoverboard That they said that they had borrowed from a friend And I was like it clicks like no y'all didn't Y'all stole that <laughs> shit from the neighbor Crime is bad It is. But I think that uh, I will say about it being a black thing Is it's a poverty thing And poverty influences African Americans and Latino cultures more than any other culture, percentage wise, number wise. White people pretty much take the numbers and everything. But that's always a component when, you know, family services get involved. You got people that are poor. You got kids without a father in the home. Because she who, did admit that he was incarcerated. And I was like, damn it. Did you. <laughs> All the stereotypes. Oh, so cliche. Yes, it's just a stereotype. So that was kind of. But you have poverty. You have a woman who can't provide finances and can't provide adequate supervision. You have young boys that grow up and some of them want to take things rather than earn things because this is what's going on in their community. And it seems like the easy way to get things they don't have access to. And it turns into a situation where a parent, in order to feel like they are disciplining the best they can, they give them a whooping that's too extreme, that's too bad. And what happens is they get their kids removed. It's a cycle that continues to roll over and over and over in Alabama with the child services system. Yeah. I don't know how it goes in other states, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same. And the kid turned his mom in. The 13-year-old went to the detective and said, look what she did to me kind of shit. And I explained this to one of my friends. Like, what you have to understand, if a, if a child comes and says, my mom hit me or my mom beat me and they have bruises i really don't know how people think that that dhr is going to be able to to look at a bruise or look at these marks on them and say well this wasn't like abuse this is just this mother um disciplining her child as opposed to this parent who's constantly just beating on the kids for no fucking reason you know what i'm saying like i don't know why people think that they're gonna know what your intentions were when you left these marks on kids all they know is that this child's got marks on them they're gonna investigate it but i just i don't know why people are like well they should just stay out of it like so then what okay so then what does that mean for kids who are like physically abused on a regular basis they should just stay at like how are they going to tell the difference now, what I find with my work with DHR is that most of the parents that are involved with DHR really don't know because the ones who know they whoop their kids and keep them out of school for four days <laughs> they whoop their kids and wait until they heal Yeah, you know they know how to stay away from the system so a lot of people who are in the system are parents who just really don't know that they shouldn't be doing this stuff parenting does not come with an instruction manual you only do it kind of how it was done to you yeah. and the problem is it 
the things that used to be acceptable are not acceptable anymore. So when you have grandparents raising grandchildren, children, a lot of abuse comes from those situations. And when you have parents that were raised by those old school grandparents, if they had that, then they are abusing their children a lot of time. You know, and in the black community, abuse is more prevalent, you know, for various reasons. You know, in terms of how how much that that we get or children get whooped and how hard those whoopings are that's that's a thing in the african-american community it is. and so it's just problematic all the way around with that system or not again with the stigma of uh mental health in the community like People don't take into like there are like oppositional defiant disorder. There are there are things that could contribute to like the way that a kid is behaving. Like I had a conversation with a parent about like this is not normal behavior for like a seven year old. Like this isn't you know yes they you know they misbehave yes they they get into things but somebody that like cannot control. Like, if they don't get something, they, like, completely get out of control and they knocking down doors in your house and they breaking shit. That is not the normal reaction of, like, the average child. Like, that's a little something more. But what do you do, right? If you are a parent that does corporal punishment, well, I'm obviously, I'm not whooping them hard enough. I'm not whooping them enough. I'm going to increase because what they're doing is increasing, so I need to increase. And what happens is then you get involved with the HR. Like... I don't think parents take into consideration there are other factors sometimes too like some stuff is normal kid behavior but there's some other shit that is like that ain't he should little normal. johnny shouldn't be doing that like that's something more johnny that ain't a black name i didn't want to be stereotypical be stereo, what's a black name <laughs> oh, not too black not too black that's too black uh, <laughs> between johnny and daquan we need some Andre, Terry. little andre shouldn't andre, be okay andre's good andre shouldn't be doing that you know yeah. <laughs> like it's something more going on with Andre. The fact that he's like completely out of control this way. That should not. That's not okay. There's something yeah. else. He needs to be assessed kind of thing. Like you can beat him all day. Like if something else is going on, that shit ain't going to do nothing. But increase his behavior. Yeah. And you're going to end up with the people at your door. I think a lot of parents don't realize the role that they've played in their children's reaction to this stuff. Because a lot of children that get diagnosed with ODD. When they go to a facility or when they go to a different person's house that deal with consequences different where they behavior change a lot mm -hmm. of times. You know, I think that you have to understand how you've treated that child, you know, matriculates over into their other behavior. And all kids are not the same. I, I mean, you're you you're gonna love your kids the same, but like all of them are not gonna respond to the same things the same way. Like I said, what my my older brother, my mom could raise her voice and that was enough. He got in line. My next oldest brother, not so much. <laughs> Let me. I, I want to address something for the people who are listening to this right now and are getting more and more mad and more and more frustrated <laughs> because you know that we don't have children. Now, what I will tell you is that I work with children. I have been working with children for five years. I have gone through a program that put me in classes in which I learned about the development of children and children behaviors. And I have read studies and researches done by people who have children, who have worked with children for longer than me. Ditto. So it's not as if what we're saying is completely invalidated because we don't have children. What I will say is I understand that parenting is a very exclusive club that I don't have access to right oh, now. But they will tell you real quick well, that you I'm, not a part of this. I'm just shit. saying that it does limit some things. Yeah. I don't know what they quite are. 
but they, it does limit something, but it does not take away my understanding of child behavior, my understanding of a parent parental role in molding children's behavior, and the active search that I have for knowledge and understanding more and more. So, it's a lot of people that will be on that, they don't even got kids, they don't know what they're talking about type situation. And for those kind of people, I think even saying that, saying what our backgrounds are and saying what we've done to kind of counterbalance that it ain't gonna be enough because there's just some people who think well you just don't know until you have a child of your own kind of shit so i mean i know for some people like it's just not gonna matter all they're gonna hear is we don't have kids so we don't know what we're talking about because i've worked with parents like that where they they come in and it's like look you know this is what you need to do in order to get custody of your child back like whether or not you feel like some kind of way because i don't have a child this is where you are. You do have a child, but you don't have them right now. So let's like address that. Let's work on that. Let's be open to some different ways because obviously what you were doing was not working. I don't know why people are so scared to like try other stuff or, or look beyond. Like oh, if what you're doing ain't working, the definition of insanity is doing the same shit, expecting a different result. If you're going to get the same result, if you keep yeah. doing the same shit, you're going to get exactly the same result. It's not going to change. So you have to be willing to see, be open to to accepting other ideas beyond what you know. Because what you know ain't the end of it. What we know ain't the end of it. Like, it's a collaboration. I, I tell anybody that comes to my office for, like, therapy, this is a collaboration. I, I'm not an expert on your life. You are. But I do have my background. I do have my training. This is a collaboration between us to try to get you where you want to be. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing, though, and open to work with me and not against me and trying to convince me that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Why are you hit it? <laughs> like, Counseling is a series of skills that are supposed to be used, skills, techniques that are supposed to be used to help an individual become more fully themselves. It's not about me telling you how to live. Nope. It's not about me giving you advice. Nope. It's about you bringing an issue to me and helping you become the most congruent person in how you want to live through those skills and those techniques. Yep. You know? And so when it comes to parenting, I don't have to have a kid to tell you that being a kid ass ain't helpful because one, they still doing the same shit. And number two, now your kids done got removed from your house. And, and- you know what? These kids ain't happy either. Like, they snitched you yeah, out. They, they, told they told on, on you. you. But I bet I can assure you that they did not expect this outcome. Yeah, because they're, and that's another thing I don't think people realize about kids because we look at things with an adult mind and forget what it was like to be a kid. All a kid know is I'm pissed at you and I know this is a way for you to get in trouble. So this is what I'm going to do. They don't look beyond that and see how that's going to impact them. They aren't yet capable of that kind of thought process. Right, that they're developing that shit, but they're not there yet. So all they know is you did this. I'm pissed. I'm finna get you in trouble. I know that this is a way to do that. They don't think about the consequences that it's gonna have on them. They don't think about the fact that oh shit, now I'm finna be removed and put in foster care or in a group home if no family members step up and say hey we'll take them. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't think about all that. We as adults do, but we didn't when we were their age. Like I think we have so much like unrealistic uh, expectations for like thought processes when it comes to kids. They ain't capable of a lot of this shit. Listen, kids are stupid. Yes. And (laughs) when I say kids are stupid, I don't mean they're stupid and always going to be stupid. I mean that they're stupid by lack of experience, lack of being here, and lack of the mental capacity 
to think concretely sometimes, especially under 12. Yeah. So they have the potential to not be stupid as they grow and as they learn and as they experience more and more. But right now, kids are mostly stupid. Yeah. But we don't. It's, it looks it's frowned upon to say it like that. Let me say it. Let me say it in a professional way, since this is a professional conversation. Is it? <laughs> this part of the conversation okay. is professional. <laughs> Listen, kids are uniformly informed because they don't have the brain development yet to think through things as we do, and so. You've got to encourage your kid to think as much as they possibly can about the outcomes of things before they start to act on them. And Even though they're still going to be relatively that. limited in that, at least once they do it, they'll know that they, they shouldn't have done it in the way that they did it and whatnot. And be understanding that. I think it would be a whole lot easier for people to deal with some of the stuff that kids do when you look at it through that lens. Instead of having this expectation of, you should have known better. You should, no, they don't. They're stupid. They don't know. Like... And again, I don't have any kids, but I'm I am hopeful that through my training and just dealing with kids on the side that I deal with them now that when I do have my own kids, I'll remember some of this stuff mm-hmm. and realize that okay, you did that because you're 8 and you're stupid. And you really thought it was a good idea at the time. Like, and I'm going to help you understand why that was not a good idea and why that is dangerous and help you see that the long-term impact because you can't right now they can't you know i think parents just forget that i think we 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 expect them to behave how we behave and they're really literally not capable of that yet just like you weren't at that age you were stupid at eight too yeah i was a stupid kid i was a dumbass kid i did lot all the scars i got on my body is because i was doing stupid shit me and my brother I don't know which one of us started it, but <laughs> anytime something would reflect off of any, like when sunlight would reflect off of something and it would show a little light, like in the car or something, if it would reflect off of the seatbelt, mm-hmm. we would we would think it was a ghost. <laughs> and we named it Charlie. Every time we saw it, we would call it Charlie. <laughs> I was a stupid ass kid, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... Everybody's stupid when they little because they lack the experience and the understanding. I taught my younger brother, and he tells this story all the time. My younger brother is, I'm the only girl. My oldest brother is 10 years older than me, so he's 15 years older than my younger brother. Mm -hmm. So I basically was the only playmate that he had, because by the time he came along, my older brothers weren't stunning him. They were teenagers or grown, and they just didn't have time for no little kids. So he only had me to play with. He would do whatever I told him to do. I had the grand idea one day to stand at the top of the stairs at our house and tie our feet together and we were going to jump together. I don't know why I thought this was going to be a good idea but I did. So on the count of three we were supposed to both jump together. I don't know why we had Down to have the our, stairs yeah, all ju- the way. Off, No, off the side from the top stair. Off the side. Just leap down. Right? I don't know why our feet had to be tied together. At the time it seemed like a good idea. So I was supposed to count to three. We were supposed to jump, hit the bottom, laugh, giggle, do it again. What ended up happening was, I'm standing in front, he's behind me. I jump, he didn't. So what happened is the rope caught me and I fell and then my body weight drug him down. He fell on top of me. Now, I'm the one that hit the ground. He hit me, which is a little softer than hitting the ground. I know we're not supposed to be doing this shit and if she find out being my mom, she gonna beat our ass, okay? So I'm trying to get him to stop crying because we're gonna get a whooping. I'm already out of breath because I didn't hit the ground. So I'm out of breath. like, no, no, it's okay. Don't care. My mom came to the door. 
and she saw what we had done and we got our ass beat stupid as shit we could have been like i could have broken bones depending on how i landed because this is like t- up high like we jumped from the top step down off the side I was a stupid ass kid that sounded like a good idea i don't even know why i don't know if i saw something on tv i don't know why i tied our feet together i honestly don't remember Love why it makes sense <laughs> it doesn't does but when i jumped and he didn't oh that was the worst feeling because i felt it catch and i just hit the ground and then like he just came down on top of me just knocked the air out of me couldn't even breathe the worst you got him an ass whooping he got himself an ass whooping <laughs> because he stood there calmly and let me tie our feet together and didn't say no you did. said he would do anything you he said you anything. use your power inappropriately look if i wanted something say i wanted some ice cream mm-hmm. i figured he's small and he's cute right so they'd probably say yes to him when they wouldn't say yes to me so i would just put a bug in his ear right i just be like hey don't you want some ice cream ice cream would be real good you should go ask mama for some ice cream so he would do it. So what happened is, if he got it, then I got it. If he got yelled, then I didn't get yelled. <laughs> I could go on about my day. He would do anything. I used to do that shit to my grandmama. Got to. slick. Started just giving him shit. <laughs> I remember the first time I was around the corner watching him eat ice cream. <laughs> she wouldn't let me have none. And at that point, my pride was too high to ask. I'm like, hell no, Granny trying to be trying to trip. Then I was mad at him. <laughs> It just none of it makes sense when you're a kid. It none makes it, sense when you're a kid. Sense to you. Now it makes nothing makes sense now. No, you look back on some of this <laughs> shit and it's like, what? I don't know how I'm still alive because we lived <laughs> in the country, so we did a lot of stupid shit. Like some stuff my mama don't even know about because she wasn't around. We almost lost our lives on a regular basis, <laughs> just doing stupid shit. I tried to jump my bike. Oh, you know the um the drainage ditch. Mm-hmm. So from the top of that, so I was supposed to roll to it and then jump my bike and then land, you know, cuz I saw it on TV. I didn't I didn't jump enough and so I essentially just rolled down into the drainage ditch. I almost broke my neck. Just stupid shit like that makes no sense. Now, to me as an adult, but as a kid, it was like, shit, I'm going to jump my bike off of this thing. It's going to be cool. And the crazy thing, working with DHR today, I can think of about 10 times that I would have got removed from the house for various (laughs) reasons if the DHR today was the same as it was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Look, my brother, my older brother, drew his hair back at my mom like he was going to punch her. My mom, like... At this time, because she had just had my, my younger brother. Oh, about my size, right? And he was a teenager. This was early in the morning. She sent my older brother to school. She was doing my hair. She didn't finish doing my hair, so I was in, like, kindergarten. I couldn't go to school. When I tell you she beat this nigga ass for, like, two hours, I'm talking about, I'm talking about she beat the shit out of him. Like, like it was horrible. I thought she was going to kill him. Like, <laughs> I really did. Um, and then, after she beat his ass, she took him to juvenile. And she told him, if you ever pull that shit again, I'm going to bring your ass up here. And I'm going to leave you. And I'm going to let them have you since you think you're so grown. <laughs> and I'm not even, like, exaggerating about the two. Like, she beat him till she got tired. Like, the disrespect of him, like, drawing. He ain't even hit her. Can you imagine? He would have died if he had put his hands on her. She'd have fucked him all the way up my mom is a little late like she was little dead she's a little bigger now but i that from that day forward i knew not to fuck with her though i 
I learned from that. My brother didn't. Even after that two-hour beating, he was still the one who would try her because that's just who he was. Still who he is. The rest of us have a healthy fear, my mom. I love her to death. I know she would do anything for me, but I know that even now at 31 years old, if I got out of pocket, <laughs> it would be some problems. I have a healthy fear of her. That brother... It never stuck, no matter how much she... And that's what I... Like, I tell people, like, you have to cater shit to different kids. That shit never worked with him. Like, she could beat him all day. He was still gonna be who he was, and he was still gonna try shit, because if he wanted to do it, he was gonna fucking do it. Now, the rest of us was terrified. <laughs> uh, whoopings is a tool. It's in a tool in a box full of tools. Yeah. To deal with behavior, she she learned. I mean, she eventually started. He his thing was he like going places. So like she just ground the shit out of him. He couldn't go. That killed him to have to stay at the house with us. Oh, now that got him. That would get him. <laughs> Beating him all day wouldn't do shit. But when he couldn't go out and be, cause he's social as shit. When he couldn't go out and be social, I mean, it was like how beating us did. Like. That was the end of it. He he couldn't take it. He hated being at the house. Not with his friends. Not being the life of the party. He couldn't handle it. So that worked for him. But beating him never worked. It just never did. He I never try. needed to get whoopings. I want mama need to do is look at me with disappointment, and <laughs> I'll be like, okay, I fucked up. <laughs> How am I gonna make this right? <laughs> My brother, on the other hand, he kind of needed whoopings, except that when he got into the ninth grade, he turned six nine. Oh, see. Yeah, there was nothing that my mama could do <laughs> that was going to influence him in any kind of way. You know that. So I think she just started making him go to church more or something. I, I don't didn't, know. I didn't really get whoopings until my younger brother came along. Um, and I know y'all going to judge me for this, but understand that I was the only girl and I was the baby before him, right? Life was sweet as shit. It was wonderful. And then he came on when I turned, uh, shortly after I turned five. And he was born in July. And then in August, I had started kindergarten. I blamed him for that. Because I'm five. I didn't know I was going anyway, right? So I'm like, oh, you get the new baby. <laughs> and then I get gone. You get rid of me because you got him now. So I did all kind of shit trying to end him. Um, and I know that makes me sound like a psychopath, but I did. Uh, I, I took him out of his crib, put him under the crib. My mama came in. He would miss it. That was one of the worst whoopers I ever got. Cause she freaked like, oh my god. She didn't know as where soon as you see her initial reaction, I bet you were like, oh shit. It was too late, like right? Cause then it's like, do I tell her? Like she's so upset. Like I didn't think it was gonna be this big of a deal, right? So then it's like, do I tell her? Do I just wait and let her find him? Cause she ain't gonna know it was me, even though we the only two motherfuckers in the house, right? <laughs> so she knew I did it. So after she found him and calmed down, she beat the shit out of me. Um, I'm, I sent him to the hospital before. Um. He be throwing your ass. Yeah, I wasn't here for it. I wasn't. We we the closest now out of my brothers. I will say that we are the closest now. But at the time, I couldn't stand his little ass. Like you come and I lose everything. Look, my brothers would be at school before he was born. My mom would take me for ice cream and shit when they went there. We we go and get ice cream. I got to go shopping with her. I got to lay around the house and watch fucking lamb chops. It was a beautiful thing. And in my mind, I had to go to school. Because he came home. <laughs> Not because I was of age and I had to go, right? In my mind, it's because you had this little digger. So now, oh, I don't matter no more? Oh, okay. I got you. I'm going to get rid of him and then things will go back to the way they were. I wanted to go to school no more. Didn't work, though. I just got my ass beat like a lot. Most of my whippings came from 
some kind of interaction with, with, with my younger brother, like <laughs> most of them. Damn. The only whooping I can remember getting before he came, I've been a smart ass since I've been in the world. And uh, I think I was like three, two or three. And um, I wet the bed because my mom, I had a, obviously I had to go to bed earlier than my brothers because they were older. So the next morning she asked me why I had wet the bed. Who the fuck asked a three-year-old that first of all? Like, so she asked and I told her, I said, cause you made me mad. <laughs> so she took my mattress out, changed my sheets, made my little bed back up and she whooped my hands. <laughs> um, Oh, that's the story that she tells. I don't quite remember that one. She tell everybody she meet that story though about really? me. <laughs> that's the story she tells. That's the story that she tells because she thinks that it shows I've been sarcastic my whole life <laughs> from birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I feel like I would have been smart enough to know that would have got me a whooping. <laughs> I was like, so what you wanted? What what answer did you think? I thought you if you had said that you you couldn't you didn't wake up or it was an accident. I probably wouldn't have whooped you. I probably would have let it roll. But when you looked at me, she said, I looked her in her eyes. And I said, because you made me mad. That's why. <laughs> what did you do? I mean, what did she do to you from her perspective? What did you, oh, because I wouldn't, I, she wouldn't let me stay up with my brother. She made oh. me go to bed. Oh. And I wanted to stay up because I should get to stay so, up. So, I wonder if you peed in the bed intentionally because you were mad or if you peed in the bed by accident, but... You used to being mad at her as just because it was there at the moment and you wanted her to feel some kind of way. I don't know, but whatever reaction <laughs> I thought I was gonna get, it ain't what I got. I got my hands. You thought you so you don't make me mad next time. Yeah, so you learn your lesson. This is what happened. P P happens when you make me mad. I didn't do that shit no more. Or if I did on purpose, I, I knew better than to tell her that it was on purpose but yeah that's the story um that she tells everybody because i guess she showed like she thinks that it should like she's been this way her whole life mm-hmm. and i got mm-hmm. it from her my mom is a smart ass love her to death but that's her and my dad but my dad's worse like that's probably the one out of all the traits that i, I gained that's probably the one thing that i really got from him because he's sarcastic as shit. Like, inappropriately. I think I'm funny. <laughs> he just, like, got that biting sarcasm to make you want to slap him. <laughs> but, yeah. Don't need that. No. His ain't funny. <laughs> his ain't funny. His make you want to wring his neck. And some people might want to wring my neck, too. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he's he's he could be an asshole sometimes. But, yeah. And my mom is, hers is funny. Her sarcasm, I think, is funny. Mm-hmm. But his is just mean <laughs> sarcasm. Yeah. So I got a little mix of the two, I think. But yeah, I I, I just wanted to address those things because there's just so much like bad parenting or like problem parenting in the news. Do you have anything else on your mind? I do, but I'm going to save it for when we do the dating episode. Oh, reminder, y'all need to send in your horrible date stories because we are going to be doing that episode. I was going to do a rant about dick pics, but I'm not. I'm just going to save it. I'm just going to save it for that episode um, because I have a lot to say about that. Okay. Well, until we come to the next conversation. We out. Holla. Holla.